0: Peace be to you. in the Let us begin with the question.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Evangelion's podcast, Curiously Catholic. Evangelion's mission is to light the fire of Christ in the hearts of Catholics by sharing the truth of our faith in a compelling manner and that involves you, so if you would like to see how you can get involved with Evangelion's mission or help us out by donating, head to our website at evangelion.co.nz and check us out. If you want to be the first to find out about events we're running and uh, content we're putting out, subscribe to our mailing list and join the Evangelion family. We're coming back to this podcast, Curiously Catholic, here we pick the brains of Catholic enthusiasts to try and work out how to be Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malgeri and in this episode we have again Deacon Harold Burke sievers How are you, uh, Deacon Harold?
2: I'm doing well. It's great to be with you. Great to be back. Wish I was there in person, but you know you got you got to uh, do what you can do.
1: Yeah, the uh, the uh, bubbles are being created and popping all the time at the moment. With uh, like Australia, for example. But uh, we'll get there in the end, I'm sure. Uh, it's quite a complicated complicated situation we're in, eh?
2: No, it certainly is. A uh, it... very, very interesting time uh, in the culture and in the church. So, mm.
1: How's it going over there in the States?
2: Oh, well, things are opening up. You know, finally, my state is one of the states that kind of were the last one to come on board with, you know, not wearing the masks and all that kind of stuff. But uh, So we're slowly coming out of it, but still even though the masks aren't mandated anymore, we still see people in grocery stores, even walking around outside wearing the mask. You
0: know? Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: so, uh, you know, people's comfort levels are different places. Uh, the only place where it's still mandated now is on the uh, air travel. Mm. So any, any kind of public transportation, the bus or airplanes or anything like that, you still have to wear them. But, yeah. uh, for the most part where we kind of seem to be on the other side of it.
1: Yeah. Same, same in New Zealand. If you're catching public transport, you have to wear the mask. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, a lot of fun. Just uh, seeing all the different masks people are wearing, I've, I've quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I saw a guy who had a, like a um, like a cowboy kind of do rag thing, but it was actually it was actually a mask. that went round his ears, and I was like, this guy, he knows how to wear a mask. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah.
2: People are, having, people are definitely having fun with it. Yeah, and you, you know, in a sense, you might as well. You know, since uh, in some place if you have to wear them, you know, you might as well have uh, have some fun with it. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, last time you were talking to us, you said you were, com- you were finishing writing up your sixth book. How's that coming along?
2: Yeah, still working on it. Um, it's uh, Building a Civilization of Love, a Catholic Response to Racism. Oh, and wow. uh, right now yeah. I'm working on the hardest chapter, the one I'm spending the most time on, because in this particular chapter, I'm looking at three different movements that are kind of finding their way into the Catholic faith. And so I want to Respond to those why those are not authentically Catholic responses. One of them is the Black Lives Matter movement Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, Another one is liberation theology and the other one is critical race theory Uh, So I'm actually reading right now uh, The book on critical race theory, which is actually by the people who developed critical race theory So it's not people saying here's what critical race theory says. I want to hear from the people themselves what it says and i'll tell you uh the more i dive into this book because i've already started writing my analysis of it um the the more i see how worthless it is oh, wow. um, and why the church would have nothing to do with it and so i'm gonna give a very um thorough uh catholic look at it because I'm, I'm not approaching it from because in the states now people are approaching crt from a political perspective from a educational perspective from an anthropological perspective, but I'm going to address it from a Catholic faith perspective. Mm. You know, so so some people may criticize it. How can you just look at this and this and this? And this? So I, the the book is called Catholic Response to Racism, so I I'm see. looking at the Catholic perspective. You want, you want another perspective? Fine. There's some great materials out there, but my book's not going to be one of them. I'm focused on the Catholic faith.
0: Yeah. So oh. uh,
2: and, and so I because I, I want to be thorough, um, yeah. that's why it's taking. and 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 critical race theory of of those three things that was the one I was least familiar with so I have to really familiarize myself with it so I can talk intelligently about it
1: Man, that's uh, that's really uh, inspirational Um, I've tried doing that with a few things um, and often it just goes right over my head I'm like, okay I'm just going to have to listen to people who interpret it for me later because
2: it's (laughs) Yeah, especially when you look at um, some of the things they say here it's like, wait what does that mean? But see, the thing is and this is why learning the faith is important. If and if you're going to do it at a professional level, like like what I'm doing, you have to have degrees in in, in theology or philosophy, mm. um, because the language that's used here, I'm familiar with it, I understand it. But my, but, but most people reading this are going to be like, "What do they mean when they say that? When yeah. they, when they see dialectical materialism, what is that? Well, I know what it is, <laughs> you know. Um, but so my job is to take that language. And parse it in such a way so that people, the everyday person, the pew, can understand what this is, um, what is the thinking behind it, what is the history behind it, and why we as Catholics need to avoid it. Oh, and, right. and that's what I—that's why it's, 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 you know, because uh, I want to make sure I'm fair, that I'm representing uh, the positions well, and not just like lambasting them out of emotion. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. Look, Here's what they say. Here's the source documentation. Here's what they say for the about themselves, and then here's what the Catholic teaching is.
1: Yeah, I guess there's lots of we can draw from that. A little bit you just said on like uh, um, apologetics on any topic really. Uh, you've got to really get to the the heart of the topic so you can actually uh, come to grips with it and pull out the details and come up with some good um responses which are actually life giving and fruitful. Um yeah that's really cool we'll have to um we'll have to get you back on when you finish the book because i mean i personally like i find like the whole concept of race just a really interesting thing i have a bit of an anthropological background in my uh, first degree um and i've always been really interested in that sort of stuff so um looking forward to that book coming out that,
2: that it is it is very interesting and i'm approaching it from two perspectives so um when you talk about race, there's the, the skin color race that differentiate that differentiates people, but then there's cultural, right? So for example, one of the things I'm looking at the, in the book is slavery in the old Testament. Okay. Uh, so when, when they met slavery, there, slavery had nothing to do with color. It had right. nothing to do with not, not like this cut in, in our country in, in the United States. Um, when they talked about slavery, it was cultural. It was culture. So, so, the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites, not because they were a different color, but because they're a different culture, which is still racism,
0: mm. which
2: is still racism. But it's not the racism that we would normally think of. we think about colors of different skin. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Um, or when the Israelites had slaves. OK, they weren't chattel slaves because there's there's mm. many men. I'm going to quote them all many, many, many places in the scriptures that, that uh, says that God doesn't like the idea of uh, enslaving another person. So it's more of an indentured servitude. In fact, for example, there would be a, uh, a family that would have, let's see three or four kids and they have a fifth kid. and that child, they just can't afford to have another child. the child would starve to death. So instead of the child dying, they give that child to a family, and that child would work for that family. Now, the maximum amount of time they could work was seven years, because whenever the jubilee year came around, one of the things you had to do during the jubilee is free all the slaves, right? So every time it was a jubilee year, you would free all the slaves, and uh, the the slaves could also have become members of the family. They could have inheritance rights, and if they were mistreated, they could take the person to court. You know, so 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 it wasn't slavery the way yeah. we think of it but i have to draw all that out um in the book which which i'm doing
1: mate i'm really looking forward to this book <laughs> i only just found out you're writing it and now I'm, I'm really into it um but yeah i think this is really good especially because the topic we're continuing is um being like being made in his image in the image of god and i think whereas we started talking about this and we're going to continue on talking about like men and women uh, there is a real truth about um you know different races we're all made in the image and likeness of god and like i think pope john paul ii kind of touched on this is like there are no borders you know and then even in scriptures no man no woman no gent jew and gentile we're all made in the image of god we are just creation and like even in my in my previous degree in religious studies and theology one thing that struck me is that uh, like in hebrew there's no term for jews to refer to themselves as jews Because that was a name that was given to them so that they could be studied and categorized. And they are just the people of God, which aren't we all, um, thanks to our Lord uh, Jesus. But um, yeah, yeah, bringing it back to finishing off the topic we started on men and women, I wanted to talk more about, um, I guess, maleness and femaleness and how we see that in a Catholic context. I've just—I'm um, nine days into uh, the consecration to Saint Joseph. I've got a little fraternity going, and uh, we're all really, really into it, and mate. If you haven't done this for those listening, if you haven't done this, you haven't looked into it. Start looking into it. Uh, do it. Maybe get in contact with me. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. It's really good stuff because, uh, like, Saint Joseph hasn't really been developed as uh, his role in the Holy Family. And it's just so much is coming to light, and just like you know, so relatable to me. Uh, and one thing that I thought was really interesting is the fact that um, you know, the role of father. Uh, they talk, they talk about uh, kingship of of uh, Joseph and knighthood, and but then we've also got like uh, Our Lady, who's the Madonna. Uh, she's the Queen of Heaven, and there's all these words that we're familiar with. Like kings, queens, knights, etc., but like nowadays, there's not really a reference point for them. So I was hoping you could maybe expound on a few of those things. It's like, why are these necessary for us to understand maleness and femaleness?
2: Well, it's important to understand it because uh, that's how God created us. You know, Genesis one twenty seven, male and female, He created them, right? And, and so. Um, So, but what, what, what does that mean? Because you're right. We're so confused in our culture today when it comes to gender identity, you know, there's, there's some cities in the United States where you can have up to 60 different genders, Hmm. you know, or have no gender at all. You could be what's called gender neutral, um, uh, or binary or something like that. They have all these different names now, but, but what we have to come back to is God's plan, male and female. He created them. Let's take a look at that. Uh, what's going on here? So when the church, let's look at male, let's look at female first. Let's look at female first. Uh, I think I mentioned before that um, there's a reason why God created the woman last, right? I mean, she's not created second after the man, like, like an afterthought. She's created last because after her, God stops and takes a rest right? Um, because she is the life giver and the life bearer. She shares that beautiful intimacy with the Holy spirit. Now, where does that idea come from? So when we think that God creates, God doesn't have any gender. Right? I mm. mean, we, we, Jesus has told us as uh, instruct us to call God father, our father, that's the whole prayer is about. Mm-hmm. And we, and we have the Holy spirit, um, who, um, Overshadowed the Blessed Virgin Mary. Episkiato in Greek, which means to overshadow. In fact, it's the same word that's used in the Septuagint for the the glory cloud, the shikana, glory cloud coming over the Ark of the Covenant. It's the same word. And, and so we have these kind of masculine images, but God Himself has no gender, right? I mean, He's God, right? So, 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 how, so, but yet He says male and female. That comes from the one God. Without any gender creates two genders. What's going on here? We have to look beyond gender and look deep into the heart of God. So when the church talks about the inner life of God, when the church talks about God, first of all, the church can only talk about God by analogy, right? By, By what's been revealed to us about the nature of who God is. Yeah, yeah. Because to fully understand God, we have to be God, and that ain't happening, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> okay? Yeah.
2: Uh, so, so we can only understand what's been revealed to us about God. So we know that God exists as a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we know that the, the God shares life within that Trinity. And the church uses um, language such as circumcision or divine perichoresis. Uh, Yeah, yeah. In in the East. And all that means is the the God's inner workings, God's inner intelligibility, God's uh, how how when when Jesus says the father and I are one. Well, they're not the same person, but they share the same nature. Yeah. How is the father in the son and in the Holy Spirit? and How is the Holy Spirit in the son and the father? And how is Jesus and the Father? <laughs> See, it's that, it's that eternal yeah. relationship of love and life and intimacy. The Father generates the Son, right? He, he's the only begotten Son of God. The love between the Father and the Son generates the Holy Spirit. Who They, they give everything of themselves to each other, and, and, and they, so each of the persons gives everything back to the, to the other two persons. So it's this incredible, dynamic relationship of love and life and intimacy and union, right? It, it, now, we would call that God's heart, okay? okay? Not heart meaning the organ that pumps blood through the body, but when the, the, is the, the, uh, uh, the Hebrew word leb, okay, leb for heart, means that's the place where your desire for God lives within you. So we're talking about this is the the very heart, if you will, of who God is, this relationship of love. God is complete, total, perfect love. Now, when he goes to create woman. okay, I this again, I'm hypothesizing here because we we only talk about God by analogy. I think God pulled from his heart. When he created the woman. Oh, yeah. See, that's why we say things. The woman is the heart of love. She's the heart of the home. She's the heart of the family. Um, You know, so God pulled from his beautiful heart to create this one who becomes the heart, right? The, the, the heart of the family, the soul of the family. Um, You know, she, because she's the life giver and the life bearer, and she can conceive within her own body, you know, uh, life in cooperation with God, the father, son, and Holy spirit in a way that is impossible for us men. Mm. That's not how God created us. That's not who God created us to be. So there's this beautiful intimacy that a woman has by the very nature of how God created her as a life giver and the life bearer. And so when you talk about human characteristics, you know, women are built, not just physically built, not just, emotionally, mentally built, but spiritually also built differently than men. Mm. And it's those differences that complement each other. And it's precisely because of those differences that they're in, those distinctions that they're able to have unity. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me talk about the guy. So when God created man or male, he, he pulled from the, 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 this heart for the woman, But see, the heart, if it exists outside the body, can't live, right? It has to be something surrounding it and protecting it. So I think when he created man, and this, again, I I get this clue from Genesis, where he says he he, he put man in the garden to till and to keep it. Okay? And I talked about this last time, the words till and keep are abad and shamar. And Hebrew means serve, protect, and defend. Mm. So um, we talk about... Uh, how does God um, witness to the world? How, how does God manifest himself in the world? Okay. Um, we, we, we talk about the, uh, the, the, it's called the economic trinity, not supply and demand, right? But oikonomia in Greek means the workings of. So how does God work in the world? And so he creates man and gives him the specific task to serve, protect, and defend everything that's entrusted to him. And because that's what those words mean in Hebrew serve, protect, defend. So he's given his mission, his calling, his vocation, but what are he supposed to serve and protect and defend primarily his wife, the heart of love. See, so you have this beautiful outer life that protects and serves that beautiful inner life. You see? and it's and it's that beautiful hmm. interaction in the earthly way now I'm not I'm talking about man and woman that re- it reflects something of God but it's that complementarity between the man and the woman in their physiology in their um the in their uh spirituality yeah. that beautifully complement and in a sense perfect each other and it's in that union together that they're able to have uh, that they're able to witness to the power of God in the world. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because man by himself, that's why I it says it's not good for man to be alone because God himself exists as a family, as a communion of persons. Mm. You see? So man by himself makes no sense. So she's there to compliment. And it's that beautiful complementarity that then shows something of God. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: beautiful. Now, what about monks and nuns? You say, oh, that's great, Deacon. What about monks and nuns? Hold on now. Uh, We're not going to be married in heaven the way we were married on earth. (laughs) We're we're not. Because Christ is the eternal bridegroom giving life to his bride forever in heaven. Well, monks and nuns, and priests, of course, symbolize that on earth. The priest uh, is in, in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, the high priest, Who's giving life to Christ's bride, the Church on Earth, through the sacraments, most especially in the Holy Eucharist and the sacrament of Reconciliation? The nuns represent the the, the bride of Christ in heaven, right? And so that's why they wear the they wear the veils because right. that's their wedding veil. They so so they're witnessing to what our life is going to be like with God forever in heaven, continuing receiving love and life from Christ, our eternal bridegroom in heaven forever. So they witnessed that power on earth that this is, this is awesome. This is, I mean, this is our Catholic faith. Yeah. You see, 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 so what's happening in the culture, the culture is pushing against that, pushing against that because they're, they're, they're misusing terms and that's what they're really, really good at mm-hmm. misusing, misrepresenting terms. So in their mind, equality means unless you're equal in order to be equal, you have to be the same. Yeah, yeah. See, so equality and sameness are conflated within our culture today. And mm. that's just not true. Equal does not mean the same.
1: Yeah. So uh what I'm getting of what you're saying from this, especially when you brought up the uh contrast of monks and nuns to married life, is there is more to being a man and a woman than what you can produce and what you can see. There's some like there's a there's a, a difference in essence and in interior life. And in the last episode, I think you said you could make an argument for um, to say that like uh, like women are, in fact, better than men. Is that in the sense because women are the heart and drawn from the heart? Is that what you are getting at there?
2: Yeah. So so what what I mean is this um, is that in in the in the genesis narratives she's created last mm. because i think god saves his best work for last right, right? yeah 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 he, he saves the one who is the life giver as the last as kind of the 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 period at the end of the sentence
0: mm.
2: right i think i said last time the cherry on top of the whipped cream right that, mm. that is like boom <laughs> drop the mic i created her drop the mic done you know and, and so and we see this think think about this this is where the Blessed Virgin Mary comes in. The greatest, and this is what I mean by I say, in a sense, women are in a quote unquote better than men. Mm. I mean, they're not better than men, but you mean, but St. Augustine, actually, if you read Augustine, makes the same argument, right? right? Uh, when, he, when he says priests and nuns are greater than married people, he doesn't mean like it's a better, like they're better than anybody. Because they're reflecting on earth what our life is going to be like with God forever in heaven. You see, and that's what a woman does for both—not just women, but also for men, right? Because remember, the church is called what? She. The church is always referred to as feminine, which, of course, the church has men and women in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not saying that, you know, men are women. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But when, when, but when Christ gives Himself and gives life to the church, and then to represent that. The, 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 the Christ part, the husband part, the bridegroom part. That's why we have priests and the, and the men in the marriage relationship also represents Christ that way in the marriage relationship. But he's not better than she is, you know, uh, but, but he's there to serve, protect and defend. Yeah. You See, so, so she's created last. So Mary now think about it when, when God could have done anything that he wanted to bring salvation into the world. Jesus could have just showed up one day out of nowhere, like Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek the, the, in Genesis nine, the dude shows up out of nowhere. You know, Ab- Abram's fighting his battle. He's done. He wins. All of a sudden, Melchizedek shows up. He's like, who's this dude here? And so it, it, what is what, what he recognizes, though, Abram recognizes the superior priesthood of Melchizedek and gives him tithes. And what does Melchizedek offer for those tith- bread and wine? Right. So Melchizedek is the image of Christ in Psalm 110 ties that together beautifully in David's Psalm, Messianic Psalm uh, of fulfillment. Psalm 110, you are a priest forever. He's talking about the Messiah. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus could, just could have showed up like Melchizedek. No big deal, but no, God didn't want to do it that way. He came through a family. Why? because Satan in Genesis three tried to destroy the family. And who did he go after first? The woman. So now God creates the most, the blessed of all women in a family as a vehicle to bring salvation into the world. Mm-hmm. You see? And that's why Joseph was important. I mean, you think God could have said, Mary, you and me, we got this. Don't need no man. no, 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 mm. no. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. So, so if some people say, well, why, if two people are the same sex, why can't they be together? I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of different types of families, right? So for example, there's sometimes where they're divorced, like my family, my parents are divorced, horrible marriage. My parents had. they're divorced. Yeah. But that's not by design. Right. Most of those situations happen because of sad and tragic events. One of the spouses dies. That's a sad and tragic event. Now the other person's a widow, right? A, a very good friend of mine, a deacon, um, who actually we were in kindergarten class together. We know each other our, literally almost our entire lives. And we're both deacons now. His wife died a year and a half ago. Like, like that. He came home, she was dead. um, Completely. And now, see, now he's, now he's, He's, he's That's a sad and tragic circumstance, the fact that my parents are divorced or some mm, uh, mm. people drink and, and mm. they split up. Those are sad and tragic circumstances, not by design. No one gets married saying, well, I can't wait till he hits me or I can't wait till she starts drinking and cheats on me. No, mm. Nobody does that. Come on. Right. So, So by God's plan and God's design, he had a family, including Joseph. Now, Joseph wanted to extract himself, but the Lord said, no, we need you. We need you. Mm. And what was his primary job? Serve, protect, and defend as the king, because that's the main job of a king is to serve. See, we think kings are to rule, mm. to rule, to be in charge, to tell people what to do. No, the main job of a king was to serve. Look at the beautiful example of um. Of king uh, Was uh, the great uh, uh, Saint uh, Who was a uh, king in France You know This dude I mean he used to have beggars And lepers Come into the royal palace uh, St. Louis St. Louis of France He used to have beggars come in And he used to serve them At his table The king's table He used to wait on them And he ate their leftovers for his dinner. Wow. What? That's what I'm talking about. That's the see. Now, obviously, he's a saint, right? He did. He did that to an extreme. But that's the idea. His job is to serve, protect and defend. And that's how we rule. Right. Mm. Rule. It's not now interesting. The word in Genesis chapter 3, 16. We all know Genesis 315, right? The, the proto-evangelium of the first gospel. I put enmity, that's ebau in Hebrew, which literally means hatred. I will put hatred or enmity or opposition between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, talking to the snake. The line after that is the temporal punishment for the woman. He says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing, and pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now the word there is mouth in Hebrew, which means to dominate like a tyrant. Oh, wow. Ah, See, so biblically, biblically, any man who's tries to abuse his wife physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, any other kind of way, that is a sad and tragic effect of original sin. Genesis 3 16 to rule over. That's not God's plan for us. That's why Ephesians five, St. Paul brings us back on track to what authentic family life is supposed to be like and i think the greatest model in the history of the church of that is the holy family
1: yeah yeah because i've been reflecting on the holy family obviously in this consecration and one thing that struck me is uh i was thinking through the argument of like um often you hear a protestant say yeah but you didn't need mary just she just happened to be there but the catholic defense of that is like yeah but yeah sure god didn't need mary he didn't need anything he could have just clicked his fingers and salvation could have happened but he chose to and then he therefore also chose um, Joseph and he chose that they wouldn't have any other children because God's kind of efficient he uses what he needs and what he need. there was no there was no purpose in, in those two in Mary and Joseph having more children because there was a purpose in her perpetual virginity and there was a pur- purpose in uh, Joseph's chastity and from that, that this is he wasn't, he wasn't just creating a family. He was creating the Holy family, which has a, a purpose and a, and a reason for us to get to know God more.
0: Um, no,
2: exactly right. And, um, let's, let's talk about the Holy family for a second. Cause you're right. Mary gets a, well, Jesus, of course he's the son of God. Duh. Right. I mean, without him, there's nothing. Yeah. But Mary gets a lot of attention cause she's the blessed Virgin Mary, mother of God, the Theotokos, um, Uh, the God bearer uh, and, and you're right. God, she was an integral part of God's plan. Didn't have to use her, but see what God was doing. He was undoing what Satan did. Yeah. Satan used a woman as a vehicle into the family to destroy the family. God's using the most blessed of all women as a vehicle to rebuild the family. Not, but here's the beautiful thing. It's not just the nuclear family. It's the entire family of God, which she symbolizes in her person. She is the new Ark of the Covenant. Did I talk about that last time, how she's in the new Ark of the Covenant? No. Okay. So in the old Ark of the Covenant, you think about the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus. there is only three. F- first of all, it talked about, I mean, if you look at the detail that went into building the Ark, I mean, there's an entire chapter yeah. that just goes to how many rods, how many you know, uh, uh, how much gold and how much this and how much that. And it had to be this many cubits and this many spans and this, ma- I mean, very meticulous in detail for only three things that went into the ark and all three of those things represented the presence of God, the staff of Aaron, the mana, the, 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 the mana from heaven. Um, and, the um, uh, the manna from heaven, the ark, uh, the, uh, staff of Aaron, and um, oh, it was oh the Ten Commandments that's the yeah. the, uh, 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 the 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 ten words of God uh, right um, so those were the only things that were inside uh, the ark um, now you look at fast forward to our Blessed Virgin Mary um, she's the new Ark of the Covenant and she was created that's what we say the Immaculate Conception not Jesus was conceived of her but the way she was conceived. To be built with that same kind of beauty and detail, except in a spiritual way, she was prepared from her conception to be that new ark of the covenant. What are the only three things inside of her, right? We're all represented by Jesus, the staff of Aaron, the staff represented his his uh he is the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, John, uh the, the manna from heaven, John chapter six. Uh your fathers ate the manna in the desert and they died but he who eats this bread will live, for, will live forever because the bread that I give you is my flesh for the life of the world. Right. And of course the 10 commandments, um, uh, the, um, I brought in Hebrew, the said it, the, literally the 10 words of God, Jesus is the word that became flesh. And he summarized the 10 commandments for us, right? Love God. Right. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the the, the the Ten Commandments. And interesting, very interesting. If you go deeper into the Ten Commandments, there's the, the 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 love God is the first three, love your neighbor as yourself is five through ten. You know, it's the fourth commandment that bridges the two, right? Because it's it's both. It, it's the only command that, that encapsulates both love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And which what is number four? Honor your father and your mother. It's the only one that has a promise attached to it as well. You see? So see this right in the nature of how God created, not just creation, but even when he gave us the commandments, there's that beautiful uh, relationship between fathers and mothers, husbands and wives built in, not into the very nature of who we are, but also built into the very laws of God.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things with, uh, the faith is like, the, st- the second you start looking into it, and one of the things that drew me more into Catholicism is, this: as you um, start reading it, or start answering another question, another question comes up, and there's another answer, because, and it all comes back to uh, the seminal document, the Word of God, it all comes back to Scripture eventually, and I feel like often we can feel so far removed from it, because we're often given the theologian, that expounded a teaching which may led to a dogma or a doctrine of the church. But we forget that the re, like like, um, you know, Th- St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, I was listening to, I think, Scott Hahn, he was talking about um, how people often f- forget to read the Bible and, and inf- instead read the Summa. And it's like, well, why don't you find out where the Summa came from and read the books that St. Thomas Aquinas read, which is the Gospels. Um and we can, we can get to that heart of God um, and in the heart of God we find Mary and Joseph and Jesus, so I was like, I was wondering what does it take to be um what does it take to be the heart of God? what does it take to be the 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 the, the capsule uh protector of the the heart because in uh, the consecration to Saint Joseph, he go you go through all the virtues when you're talking about Saint Joseph in the litany, like um, you know chastity, um, prudence, strength, and all these things. And these are great words, and they're fun to say, um, but like, how do we live these things?
2: Yeah, that and that's where the rubber hits the road, because if you're not living it, then it then it doesn't mean anything. It just they're just mm. words. So let's, first, first of all, let's take a look at the, contra- the contributions of Joseph. First of all, and the thing, what makes Joseph in a sense so obscure, which I'm, I'm grateful to Father Calloway, um, who's a good friend of mine. We literally, we text each other every week, like uh-huh. every week, you know, in fact, I'm going to see him next week in Chicago. Um, but, 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 and he draws this out so beautifully. That's why his book is so incredible. In fact, he has things in that book that have never been in English before about Joseph. Yeah, that's what to me makes the book so spectacular. There's scholarship on Joseph and prayers and devotions and novenas that have never been in the English language. He got permission to to put it in English. Wow. But anyway, the first thing that Joseph contributes is his family, is his heritage. Okay, if you look at Matthew's genealogy, um, and that's why Matthew starts that genealogy because he has to show that Jesus is descended from Abraham through David or else they won't listen to another thing he has to say. So the first thing Joseph gives to Christ, uh, as a protective family is his family, is his, is his heritage. Um, because again, we said, we saying, well, he wasn't his natural father. It didn't matter back then. It didn't matter. Right. If, if you, if your brother died, then you were supposed to take and you as the other brother supposed to take over that family
0: right. and raise
2: the children as if they're your own, you know? So you are now the father of that family legally. They didn't care whether you were the adoptive father or the biological father. Um, And and, we make such a big deal about that table. He's not really my kid. Yes. He's your kid. If you've adopted him, you accept the responsibility. So he's your child. Yeah. You know, we need to get away from this whole adopted mentality kind of thing. Um, So the other thing that Joseph contributes, because why he doesn't say anything. There's no Joseph. There's no quotes from Joseph. Joseph never says anything. The second thing he gives to him is trust is trust. Um, Joseph trusted God again. He he wanted to, well, there's two schools of thought. One was that when the, um, before the angel came to him, when he said he was going to divorce her quietly was that when she, he found out she was pregnant. He said, oops, you know, the, the penalty for, uh, for adultery is being stoned to death. Actually the man and the woman, you look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 and Deuteronomy 22, 22 clearly says the man and the woman is going to be stoned to death. So he's like, okay, I, instead of that, I don't want to subject her to that. I'll just do this quietly on the side. No big deal. That's one school of thought. But then I talked to some Josephologists. And, I, you know, some people didn't even know there were Josephologists out there, but there are. Um, and this one guy was saying that he, he thinks Joseph believed her and that God was doing something amazing. And he wanted to divorce her so he can get himself out of the way so that God can do what God wanted to do. Oh. You see?
0: Yay. He didn't
2: want to get in the way of what God was doing. I was like, wow, that's a cool way of thinking about it, too. So I think, you know, I actually like that way better. (laughs) Right. But the the main, whether you believe one or the other doesn't matter. Here's the point when the angel came, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Don't be afraid. Mm. God's got this. And and Joseph, we need you. And and what does the scripture tell us? Joseph did everything God asked him to do. That's what, as men, when we accept the responsibility of being husbands and fathers in a a domestic church Mm. or being husbands and fathers in a parish, you're a priest, right? There's responsibilities that come with that. Joseph understood that he was borrowing the sacred name of God, Father.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was
2: going to be a father of, of Jesus.
1: Yeah.
2: And the responsibility that comes with borrowing God's sacred name, right? And, and Joseph understood that. And the way we he showed how he understood that was by faithfully doing everything that God asked him to do. Imagine if every man kept his wedding vows to the letter, to the letter, that when your wife is getting on your last nerve <laughs> and not only is she on your last nerve, she's stepping on that last nerve. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and you want to respond out of an emotion. You want to respond mm. out of, you know, uh, why the hell did I even do this? You know, kind of a thing, but, but the proper response is Joseph. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the way, and that's the second thing this trust, the third thing is we need to enter into the silence of Joseph because Joseph was silent
0: mm.
2: and notice The three times that the angel came to Joseph, what was Joseph doing each and every time when Gabriel came? Sleeping. Sleeping. There's something about stillness and silence and quiet where God speaks to us. And so as protectors, uh, servants, protectors, and defenders of our families, of the church, of the culture, we need to not be afraid to enter into that silence. Cause right now we live in a culture that's deathly afraid of silence. Mm. Every second has to be filled with noise or distractions. You know, um, uh, that's why I love Cardinal Sarah's book on the power of silence. You know, he's bringing us back to this very, if you read the book, it's very Carthusian, you know, the Carthusians are very, uh, they're basically um, hermits that live mm. in community. And there's a, a fun, if no one's seen this movie, you got to see it. It's phenomenal. Um, it's called Into Great Silence. Into Great Silence. Um, in fact, I think they have it on YouTube, the full movie. And it's not in English, but it has um, uh, subtitles that you right. can read in English. It's about the Carthusian way of life. It is phenomenal. And here's the interesting thing. There's hardly any words spoken. It's, the movie's two hours long. There's only very, very few words spoken in the entire movie.
1: Oh, wow. So, not much reading. To <laughs> and,
2: do. I, and it's one of the best movies. I, it's one of the few movies I actually own. That's how much I liked it. Oh, wow. Because um, it, 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 it shows silence is beautiful. It's showing silence entering you, you, into God's space where your heart becomes united with God's heart. That's why Psalm 46, verse 11. Now, somebody, some people argue with me. What's well, verse ten? Nope, it's actually verse eleven because the the, the superscript uh, count in, in the Masoretic text uh, of the of the Psalms, the the prescript, as counts as one of the verses, right? So you know how they have those prescripts or instructions that says, um, "For the choir master, a psalm of Asaf, right? Okay. Which Asaf in Hebrew means gather. So um, that counts as a verse. But when but sometimes we translate it, the Bible into English, we leave out we leave out this, the, the superscript and we just start with the, right. uh, we start with the, the the main part of Psalm. That's why some of you see it, it says Psalm uh, 19, verse two. What's You're saying, so what happened to verse one? Well, verse one's the superscript. You see, anyway, that <laughs> getting nerdy there. Fun fact. Um, but entering into the, entering into that beautiful silence, joy, be still and know that I am God. Someone, Psalm 119 at midnight, I will rise and thank you for your just decrees. So, not being afraid to enter into that silence. So, if we're gonna be kings, right, servants; if we're gonna be priests, to offer sacrifice, the sacrifice of our lives for our brides, the church, for our brides, our wives, our children, for the church and for the culture. We have to not be afraid to enter into that silent space, in, into the heart of Joseph, if you will,
0: mm. and
2: learn to listen to God in the silence the way joseph did that i think is the most underrated beautiful gift that joseph has given to the church and given to us as men Mm. is to enter into that space of silence you know um and i think that's what makes joseph so great and he's an incredibly powerful intercessor Mm. uh for us in heaven and and that's why father cowley's book is so incredible i mean people like wait a minute there's like a rosary to Joseph. There's a Joseph. rosary. Wait a minute. There's this novena. Wait a minute. There's this, I had no idea yeah. that this stuff exists about Joseph um, uh, because the attention is focused on Jesus, of course, and, yeah. and, the, and then the Blessed Virgin Mary. The greatest saint in the history of the church is a wife, by the way, is a wife and a mother, mm. not a priest or a bishop or a pope, a wife and a mother. Right, um, come on, man. That, that, and see, and, and that's why when we say like women are greater or higher than men. Like what Augustine talks about, that's what he means. He doesn't mean because when we hear that, we think we're thinking secular.
0: Right.
2: What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, I was just having a, a discussion with someone about this the other day about women's sports. Oh yeah. We were, were we were watching the Olympics because some of the events in the Olympics just started, and we were, I forget what we were watching, and the the person made the comment to me about um well, i don't see why they have to have everything separate the, you know, oh we're watching softball we watch a softball and the softball field is built onto the baseball field in 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 tokyo where the where the uh softball but but they the this the field is much smaller for the women oh, you okay. see it, it, the the pitching mound is moved forward the bases are they, they had to create like a a field within the field okay and I'm like, so, so that, that's not fair. They should just pay on the regular field like the men do. I'm like, no, that won't work um, because women aren't as strong as men. Now, of course, when I said that, she got this person got offended. Now, I didn't. I, what I meant by that was not like spiritually stronger because I I, uh, I think in a lot of ways women are more spiritually stronger than men. Um, especially we have to push a baby out. All that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? I got mean, right? but. Um, but I, I was talking about in the, in the physical sense. Why? Because a man is built, by his very nature, built to serve, protect, and defend that beautiful heart of love. Right? Mm. So so that's why you have women's sports and men's sports different from each other. Not because the women can't do what the men do. Uh, it's because they're, they're physically they, they, they're not at that same level. That's why... Yeah. The, and that, and, and that's why the scary thing about this whole transgender movement is going to destroy women's sports, because you get these men who are still physically men who, for some reason, believe they're women, competing in women's sports, and they're, and they're crushing it. They're, they're crushing all the women mm. because they're really men. So, oh, he's taking testosterone blocker. Look, you could take all the stuff you want. You're still a man,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you're still going to physically outperform. That's just—I mean, that's just the nature of how God created things. Why? Not out of some sense of domination over the woman, no. To honor, to to honor God in that gift that he was given. So the way he serves, protects, and defends is for God's honor and God's glory. Any man that uses his strength to hurt a woman, to belittle a woman, Mm. to make himself seem better than her. Then again, that goes back to Genesis 3, the punishment, Malshaw. Um, to, to, to dominate like a tyrant. That is not God's plan. Mm. So Joseph, I think, is a beautiful... I think he's a quintessential example of fatherhood in the scriptures um, because his actions spoke louder than his words.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something I was reflecting on in uh, doing this consecration is the power. Um, us power, as you might want to call it. Um, because you know, they talk about how, obviously, Jesus is the most powerful, and then Mary is more powerful powerful than Joseph, but only because of Jesus. But because of how Jesus is, she has that power, but she only has it because of Jesus. But then again, with St. Joseph, it's one step removed, but the same exact reason. The reason Joseph has any authority over Mary and uh, Jesus is because they give it to him but they also are subject to it because they give it to him and it's just like oh it's just so like beautiful like kind of togetherness like Trinitarian kind of love uh, but like it doesn't take away anything from it but it adds to it it's like the reason you are powerful and you are more powerful than all of us is because we allow you to be not in a kind of we could take it away from you but in, a, in a, we want to be under you uh even though he is i guess maybe you could say uh, objectively the lesser of the three um but then yeah i just i love what you were saying there about the um this balance of power is that uh, there is two types of power the power that god gives us and the power that we try and create for ourselves which comes from genesis original sin and like cause i'd never i'd never heard that before and it just it just puts the cherry on the cake. It makes everything make sense of like this. When we try and grasp for power, it turns into tyranny because we can't. Oh,
2: that is so good.
1: We can't hold it. That is so good.
2: You just said right there. Mm. Well, that's that's it right there. I mean, think about it like this. Um, the power thing. Now, husbands and wives are supposed to make decisions together. Yeah. Duh. Right. And make decisions together. That's what you do. But every, at least in our family, every once in a while, there's a decision that has to be made that we can't decide together.
0: Mm.
2: So she'll defer to me. Now, why does she do that? Because she's not smart? Oh, my wife's plenty smart. She's a psychologist. She has degrees. She has all this stuff. She's plenty, plenty smart. Um, but what? because she does that, Because again, she gives me that power, right, to make decisions because she knows every decision that I make is going to be in her best interest and the best interest of the children, Mm. not for myself. Mm. That's, see, she could take that to the bank, right? Because she, and that's, and that's what happened in the Holy Family, right? Joseph, think about God had to listen to Joseph. <laughs> right, because when we know that yeah. that's true because after finding in the temple, it says that Jesus that, G, that Jesus was obedient to them and the word there in Latin is obidere, which means listen. So literally, says he he listened to them, mm. not just okay. I'm gonna t- if you tell me to eat my peas, I'm gonna no. He listened to with the ear of his heart. Yeah, with the ear of his heart. You see, so God allowed himself, because he saw he understood and placed himself under Joseph's role as the as the head, the spiritual head, as the king, as the priest in that family. And you know, and God allowed him to be taught by Joseph. You know, he had to learn his Hebrew, he had to learn his prayers.
0: Yeah. He had to
2: learn his carpentry skills. He learned from his father. And God sub- and, and the Son, second person of Trinity, subjected himself to that. Mm. Um, why? Because he wanted God, Jesus wanted to have the full breadth of human experience. Because think about it, it says, was it in Mark's Gospel? He did not teach them unless he spoke in parables. So how do you, how do you get that understanding of parable story? That's based on real stuff, mm. right? You, you look at the um, you look at the, the examples he gave from. Uh, from work, the work life from the agrarian culture that was around him from uh, the carpentry that was around him from relationships and power struggles between people. And he used those things that people can relate to that they see every day um, uh, uh, to, to get the point of crosses, how of how God is trying to teach them. You see now, if Jesus appeared out of nowhere, he wouldn't have that context. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: He wouldn't have that context, but, but having grown up, in that family and learn he could he has the full breadth of human experience that he drew from as part of his three-year ministry you know and 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 that's and that's again where he get that from the family he grew up in a family to bring the whole family of god together
1: yeah that's beautiful it's really powerful uh and like i think this again Another one of these topics we could just keep going deeper and deeper because, like, uh, especially with Saint Joseph, the uh, tip of the iceberg is only just being delved into. Unfortunately, we have again run out of time. Um, <laughs> and there's so much more to talk about, but if you want the details on this, there's there's books. There's the there's the consecration to, uh, to Saint Joseph. A lot of the stuff we were talking about today is in this book. Uh, there's the Bible. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, and then there's the consecration to uh, to Jesus through Mary. And just Maryology, um, we'll have to have more um, episodes on uh, this topic because there's so much to talk about and I feel like there's so much more to talk about.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's important what you said there about the consecration, right? For all these consecrations, because I've heard some people criticize Father Calloway's book because it's consecration to Joseph. No, it's always consecration to Jesus yeah. through Joseph or through Jesus. We're not consecrating ourselves to Joseph, but and that's not what he meant.
0: Yeah, right? yeah,
2: yeah. All the no, Saint Faustina, Saint—it doesn't matter. Saint Teresa of We're consecrating ourselves to Jesus through them. Mm. Okay, mm. not consecrating ourselves to them and just kind of leaving Jesus. Out. I just want to make that clear because some people sometimes get a little bit confused about that.
1: No, it's a very important distinction to make. um But yes. Um, so you've got your book that you're finishing off. When will that be finished?
2: Uh, well, I submit the manuscript in October. And then uh, my sense is is that they may get it out quickly, All like right. by early, oh. early early next year. Very topical. Um, because uh, this is a topic that's hot right now. Mm. And um, I've given webinars on this issue. And they've been very, very well received. And so that's why they want me to kind of turn what I've been. Because I've been thinking about this during the whole COVID and, and the incidents that happen here in the united states um with that started a lot of the racial issues and so i've been approaching this from a catholic perspective and so i'm turning to a book so hopefully about it'll be out early next year but as soon as i know uh when it's going to be released i'll let you know
1: yeah and we'll uh get you back on and talk about it because i'm really really interested to uh get the catholic perspective on these things because we need it (laughs) um but so yeah, so thank you for joining me, uh, Deacon, and uh, for everybody else out there in the world listening to us. Thanks for listening, and thanks for getting involved in Evangelion and our mission to spread the gospel around this great nation, in New Zealand. Uh, I really appreciate uh, Deacon for coming on, and for you guys for tuning in. So if you again you want to find out more information about what we do, check out our website Evangelion.co.nz. We actually have a retreat going on on labor weekend in October in Christchurch so if you're in Christchurch and you want to go to our retreat we ran on one in Auckland in earlier in the year it was amazing everyone loved it you can have it in Christchurch it's there on labor weekend so check out our website get the details there and like share and subscribe give us good ratings on all the podcast apps and stay curious stay catholic and god bless thank you very much